Hello, you are listening to On The Topic. And this week, I'm racking up a body count. I'm Dan. And uh, I'm taking to the waves and uh, surfing a once-in-a-lifetime big break or point break. I'm Alex. And this week, we are talking about our Volume 2 favourite 90s films classics, Dan, aren't we? Long overdue. Very much so. We've been talking about it for a while, actually. And we've recently had our OTT 87 or 86, I want to say. We did the right. The Vault. Yes. Volume 1. Um, really good episode. I really enjoyed that. Mm. If you haven't listened to it, it's great fun. Bit of nostalgia. We talk about um, some of our, uh, our experiences growing up. Um, do you remember what you covered down in Volume 1? I believe all mine were disaster films. Hangover Cures. Uh, there was Twister. There was. Volcano. There was. Was it me or you that chose Independence Day? We both did. We did, yeah. Blimey. We both started off with Independence Day, yeah. And how we both were snuck into the cinema. Um, I then chose The Truman Show. Yeah. Which still screws me up today. Uh, brilliant by Jim Carrey. Uh, Fight Club. Yes. Which is an absolute banger. Don't talk about Fight Club. Sorry. Uh, that's the first rule. And the second rule. And the third rule? It's all the rules, really. All the rules. Um... And then Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Very bleak film, that. Yes, quite apt, given the state of <laughs> AI these days. And then Goodfellas, where I regaled us with a tale of um, my double-sided DVD. So it's fair to say, when we were watching these films, we probably weren't of the <clears> right <throat> age. Well, no. I know I uh, slipped into cinema as an 11-year-old see Volcano, and that was a, a 12 uh, as was Independence Day. I think I was ten when yeah, I came out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same. Yeah, I mean Independence Day was um, a twelve. Truman Show, I think, was PG. Twister was twelve. I think it was a PG. PG. Twister wasn't too bad. Fight Club's eighteen or yeah. old eighteen. Uh, Volcano. I think that was a PG twelve. Pulp Fiction, eighteen. Yeah, easily. Armageddon. 18, I think, or was it 15? Uh, Maybe 15. I think that was 12. No. Might have been. Was it? Must have been. Definitely weren't. We weren't 12. No. Uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, definitely was an 18. And Goodfellas, definitely a 15, maybe an 18. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we had a bit of an illegal upbringing. How we're not messed up at this point is quite a, uh, an achievement. I think it's world events since, Dan. I don't think it's the films. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, brilliant. What what a great set of movies to be brought up on. What a time to be alive. The 90s were brilliant. Let's Stunning. Face it. Great music. Well, it's a debatable, I guess, as some people, but great music. Interesting clothes, which are now coming back. Yeah. You know, the old uh, Adidas, Adidas kind of um, uh, tracksuit bottoms with the poppers. Yeah. Did you ever get those? Yeah, those I did. It was fucking annoying. Especially when you had to do PE, right? Yeah. And people would chase around the field. And then once Try you sort of that. gave up, they'd pop all the buttons open. And then you had to stand there for ages trying to pop them back together again. I, I, I was never given them. I always wanted them and I never I never got them. I don't know. Just, just for that alone. It was wasn't annoying. worth it. Wasn't worth it. Okay. Uh, and of course, good films. So we've got um, we've got five more each. Yep. We haven't talked about them. We have not. You don't know what mine are. I don't know what yours are. Um, and we've got plenty of listen interaction at the end as well. We did. Yes, some good stuff there. Looking forward to it. So um, who's kicking off? Me or you? 
I'll tell you what, I'll kick things off. So, my first choice, so it's probably worth mentioning, yeah. most of my choices are very left field, and they were either suggested by my partner, Claire, uh, or they were recommended to us. So while you were away, Alex, mm-hmm. in... Um, Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. <clears throat> yep. We were watching some questionable films that are quite bleak, so we're going to kick things off with a film called Falling Down. Oh, I don't recognise this one. You're looking at me perplexed. Yeah. Let me explain. So <clears> it's <throat> my usual look on my face, but yeah. So it was released on February 26th, 1993. Uh, Falling Down is a crime drama thriller film directed by Joel Schumacher and written by Ebby Rose Smith. I think I've got the first name correct. The film stars Michael Douglas in the role of William Foster, a divorced and unemployed former defence engineer. It also stars Robert Duvall, Barbara Hershey, Rachel Ticketin, Frederick Forrest, and Tuesday Weld. Uh, it centres on... Tu- sorry, Tuesday Weld? Yes, that Tuesday Weld. Weld. What a great name. I know. That's cool, isn't it? Cool. Yeah. Uh, it centres on Foster's trek across the city of Los Angeles as he attempts to reach the house of his estranged ex-wife in time for his daughter's birthday. Along the way, a series of encounters, both trivial and provocative, cause him to react with increasing violence and to make sardonic observations on life, poverty, the economy and commercialism. Wow. It runs for 113 minutes. It had a budget of $25 million and it raked in $96 million. Uh, Falling Down holds an approval rating of 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, based on 56 reviews, with an average rating of 6.8 out of 10. The site's consensus states, Falling Down's popcorn-friendly take on its complex themes proves disquieting and ultimately fitting for a bleakly entertaining picture of one man's angry break with reality. Death count, 11. That's quite a lot for someone who's making their way across Los Angeles. Or maybe it's not these days, yeah. but in the 90s it would have been. It's a really good <clears throat> film. I say it's very like thought-provoking. Um, but you wouldn't be able to get away with doing a film like this now just wouldn't happen no but it fits the 90s mm. so well don't you think that though a lot of that <clears throat> that came out in the 90s a lot of it a lot of the entertainment and the culture <clears throat> is locked to that time period yeah and there's a lot of things which you look back and go yeah there's no way like that that should or could or or would pass today all for the right reasons so some things you think We've probably progressed in such a way that it probably could do, but it definitely wouldn't. Mm. Before, for the other wrong reasons, as in we probably have gone a bit too, I hate to use the term woke. But I think the 90s was quite an interesting way of people using a number of different art forms and ways of um, bringing new storylines to the forefront, which we never yeah. had really in the 80s. The 80s was quite cheesy and a bit, I don't know, chintzy. Especially when you watch films like <clears throat> Top Gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan. I'd say um, the one that came out recently, Top Gun Maverick, was probably better. But then I suppose it's more my era than, say, the 80s. Um, But yeah, I think the the, the 90s definitely had a a different vibe about it. That, you know, Mm. even look at Friends in the mid to late 90s, like some of the reruns you'd watch and people are up in arms about stuff I'm like well yeah okay if you look at it as I think we talked about it before on, on, on the show yeah if if you look at it with today's lens and today's sensibilities and society definitely that should never have been out but the 90s wasn't like that and it wasn't done in a way which was malevolent or malicious or 
had ill intent. It's quite a pure time. Mm. At we least, maybe I was naive, but... We didn't have social media either. You know, social media now has a platform for everyone to scream and shout from. Yeah. So that doesn't really help. Or it does help. Depends how you use the social media. Well, I think yeah. it's probably used more for bad than good, which is a shame. But hey, it is a really good film. I really do recommend Falling Down. Mm. Um, Michael Douglas just... His performance is brilliant. You know, he literally starts his day in the car, stuck in traffic, and you can see the cogs down his head, like, I'm sick of this shit. There's people drilling, there's roadblocks. That alone for me, I'd kill a couple of people. He gets out of the car, starts walking off, and people are like, where the fuck are you going? Oh, wow, he he actually does it. He literally gets out of the car, walks off, and then that's where his journey starts. Brilliant. It's really good. I say, wouldn't you couldn't do a film like this now, but it's genuinely, it's phenomenal. Very good. Mm. So that's kicking things off. Interesting. Okay, very left field. Um, <clears throat> have you been surfing, Dan? I tried in uh, Polzeth in Cornwall. Oh right. Failed miserably. Oh. Uh, it's a nice little bay <clears throat> in. Mm. Uh, I want to say it was North Cornwall. It's just nice, nice little bay. Very wavy. Nice sandy beach. Yeah. Cornwall is a lovely big, part of the UK. Big cliff tops. Um, Very yeah, failed, mis- failed miserably. Um, I can bodyboard if you catch the wave right and you glide you get in. cruising. Yeah, Ooh, but surfing, nah, not for me. Mm. You ever robbed a bank? I uh, wouldn't think about it to be honest. Mm. Have you? Um, I don't want to commit to that answer to um, <laughs> to the internet. But um, the two oddly go hand in hand. Dan. Um, by the way, my picks are in no particular order um, because Point Point Break is one of my most favourite films of all time. Um, it is a 1991 American crime action film, Dan. Point Break. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. Starring Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Laurie Petty and Gary Boosie. Have you seen this one? No, I don't think I have. It's brilliant. The film features Reeves as an undercover FBI agent who is tasked with investigating the identities of a group of bank robbers while he develops a complex relationship with the group's leader, who's Patrick Swayze. Hmm. And the title refers to a surfing term, point break, where a wave breaks as it hits a point of land jutting out from the coastline. Now, development of point break, uh, point break even, began in 1986. Bigelow developed the script with husband James Cameron. Power couple there, Dan. Why not? Uh, and filming took place four years later. Now, it was shot across the western coast of the continental United States. It was officially busted at $24 million. $24 million, Dan. So yeah. this is at a time with no CGI, no special effects. Don't know where they put the money on, but anyway, must have been on um, Gay Boosie probably. Um, because this was early days when mm. um, Keanu Reeves wasn't really... He, he was a recognised name. I think he was in and around, what, Speed? I don't know yeah. if Speed had come out or was about to, but he wasn't really at his pinnacle in the 90s. Um, so perhaps Patrick Swayze demanded that cost, that spend. Uh, but not an awful lot of money. Um, Point Blank opened to a generally positive critical reception and critics praised the relationship between Reeves and Swayze. Uh, and during the theatrical run, the film grossed over $103.5 million. Mm-hmm. So it made its money back and more some. Nice. And has since obviously gained a cult following. Say so obvious, I think it pretty much is. Um, it's also spawned a remake that was released in 2015. I think I might have talked about it in our... Reboots. Reboots, yeah. I don't mind the remake. It's not a cut on the original. 
but I don't mind it. They never really are, though, are they? You can never no. rebirth <laughs> something and expect it to be as good as the original. No, the the the, the remake is is more in the spirit of it, but it's not a one for one. Mm. And I think they did it quite right. Whereas a lot of films try and remake it frame for frame, and you can't, and you shouldn't. Um, this is one of my favourite action films down to the 90s and a typical detective film so not an awful lot takes place um, it's more of a cat and mouse relationship as I say um, between um, Bodie who is played by Swayze um, and Johnny Utah mm. who's a great name which is played by um, Keanu Reeves um, and as you go through you're never really sure whether Bodie knows about Utah yeah. and there's lots of like Oh, did he just catch him take a quick look at evidence or did he see see him just running down putting his hood over his head hiding his identity you just never know who knows what until the very end and it's a, it's a fantastic kind of bittersweet ending uh, I won't spoil it even though it's like 30 years in the making it's a great ending and very very iconic however in the true spirit Dan of OTT and talk about our 90s film classics this is volume 2 I am going to overshare ok so listen drawing close Turn down the speakers. If you're on a train, I mean, you shouldn't be listening to it out loud anyway on a train because we talked about that, what grinds our gears. Don't be that person. Put your headphones in. Close the door. Don't let your mum mum and dad hear this. <laughs> or your significant other. I really struggled with Point Breakdown. And the reason being is Laurie Petty. Is this going to be one of those uh, films to be buried with where it's like the sexiest film you've ever watched? Because if this is it... I've got one of my next choice. Mm. Uh, possibly. Lloyd Petty is a very strong female lead who challenges, I guess, the portrayal of the traditional kind of silver screen beauty. So in the 90s, you've got the big, voluminous hair as usually of a dark nature, always blonde, yeah. the high heels, the tight red dresses, the, the, the typically sexualised women character because at that time... Men clearly were, you know, smoking in offices and drinking <laughs> bourbon yeah. in the afternoons and getting drunk with their mates in the evenings and going back to their wives or cooking dinners and all that, all that, all that crap. She wasn't. She was not the kind of the, the, the atypical feminine heroine, although she she's a criminal at sorts. She had the short, short cut hair, mm. but by God. Was I, uh, you know... He's getting misty-eyed. Yeah, I, I'm doing hand signals to illustrate perhaps getting uh, <laughs> an interested member. See the love in his eyes. She's gorgeous in this film, but you just... it, it And I was, I was watching it going, I, I don't know how I feel about this, because I, I don't know <laughs> if I should be overly attracted to her, but I'll watch the film now, I'm like, she's, she's gorgeous. But she's still not a traditional kind of mm. female portrayal. Interesting. Um, so anyway, I struggled as young Alex, Dan. Adolescence Alex, watching this film going, I've got these new feelings that I can't account for. <laughs> and they're about Laurie Petty. Um, <clears throat> anyway, all things aside, young Alex, blooming into a young adult. <laughs> we'll leave that there. No one needs the, uh, the nightmares. I think there were some absolute iconic scenes. Uh, and there's one where Utah... It's at the very near the very end, and they're on a beach, and he's just about to capture Swayze, or he thinks he's pointed gun at him, and it's pouring with rain, and he can't put himself to or 
can't bring himself to, to shoot his, his now his friend. So he's going, ah! Raises guns to the sky and starts shooting wildly into the sky because mm. he can't shoot his mate. But he's got to, he's got to let it off some way. Um, no euphemism intended, and it's it's very mm. iconic and it's fantastic. Um, and at the very end, where the two meet before this once in a lifetime um, surfing event occurs, it's as I say, it's bittersweet. It's very iconic, and the end of the film rolls with the police sirens and the police cars coming into the bay as again the rain's washing down. It's. I think he's very artistic, but I don't think it means to be. It's a great film. Mm. One of my favourite action ones. So, yeah. Again, not an awful lot happens. It's a detective film. It's a cat and, cat and mouse film. Mm. It's about surfing and bank robbery. But in its simplicity, it shows just how such a good film it is. It's point breakdown. I'll get, uh, <clears throat> put my teeth in. Um, yeah, I'll get, get that on the list. I'll add it to my homework. Do it. And maybe in six years' time you'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for context, uh, it took me about four years to watch The Blue Sea. Uh, yeah. But you did, and we're going to do a film review soon. We are. Uh, so my next choice is Desperado. I've heard of this. Mm. So it was released on August the 25th, 1995. Uh, Desperado is a 1995 American neo-Western. Where's a neo-Western? action film written, produced and directed by Robert Rodriguez and it is the second part of Rodriguez's Mexico trilogy uh, I've put my notes, you could just watch it as a standalone I don't think you really need to watch the first film for any context Yeah, it's just a gore fest just lots of shooty shooty bang bang so Dan, a neo-western apparently is a sub-genre of the western that adopts its character settings and themes and transplants them with contemporary sensibilities. Gets you all the art, arty-farty bullshit. What that means yeah. is you're taking the concept of a Western, but in modern-day times. Oh, I see. Does that ring true? To yeah, I suppose it would do, yeah. yeah. Uh, it stars Antonio Banderas as El Mariachi. That's why. That's Antonio why. Bander- yeah. yeah. Who seeks revenge on the drug lord who killed his lover. Uh, it also stars Joaquim de Almeida, Salma Hayek... Steve Buscemi, Cheech Marin, and Quentin Tarantino. But it wasn't a Tarantino film? No, apparently wow. not. Okay. Uh, it has been cited as Salma Hayek's breakout role. Uh, now, there is a, a raunchy sex scene with Banderas and Hayek. It's pretty steamy, Alex. Yeah. I hope they put a pack of ice on it because it was raunchy. Yeah. And Salma Hayek is a beautiful woman. She is now, mate. Yeah. I won't cook out of bed. <laughs> Definitely not. She's she's um, she's a fine gem. Uh, interesting enough, Dan. Who did you watch this film with initially? Uh, this was with Claire. So this is one of our. Uh, is this a retrospective watch, or did you actually watch it back in the nineties? No, no, this was this was recent. Oh right. This was recommended by her. She didn't tell me this raunchy sex scene was in it. Did she, did, did she sit there watching it with a big grin on her face and looked at you when they were getting down in the, in the the undergrowth and yeah, young Dan. Was like, oh, cover your eyes. And equally, I'm like, 37 year old Dale was like, you can't start watching this, mate. 
Yeah. This is this is great. This is my this is my evening. This is my week. <laughs> <laughs> um, more ridiculous gore and outrageous, over the top violence. Uh, it's basically a mid nineties John Wick. Uh, there is also a penis pistol. Huh? In El Mariachi's um, guitar case, he yeah. has a penis pistol. So it's like a little thing he straps on to his crotch. Oh. And a little gun pops out. Oh, like a like a dildo. Pretty much. With a gun in. Yeah, hold on to that thought. Um, if I want to, Dan. Well, you'll have to remember it because it's coming up again shortly. Uh, it's got a runtime of 105 minutes. His budget was only a mere $7 million. Wow. Uh, it made $58 million at the box office. Now, on Rotten Tomatoes, the <clears> film has an approval rating of 67% based on reviews from 48 critics, with an average rating of 6.5 out of 10. I don't really care about the critics, to be honest. Nope, get and see. Uh, the site's consensus reads, Desperado contains almost too much action. Is there too much, too much action? Is there such thing? I don't think so. And too little story to say, to sustain interest. Who cares? It's... It's a shooty shooty bang bang. Come on, hurry up! How are you doing? What is it? It's a guitar. <laughs> we all heard stories of a guitar case full of guns. <laughs> no. Just had to make sure. Well, well, yes, it's me. It's me. Huh? I'm not against you guys, so keep it down. Just keep it down. Hey. I'm just looking for a man who calls my dog. Not yet. It is what it is. it is. This is a term on OTT, by the way, it which is. was conscious up a few years ago, I think. Uh, we did an E3. Uh, yeah, we did a roundup. Yeah, and uh, one of the terms we've adopted from that is shoot, shoot, bang, bang. <clears throat> but Antonio Banderas proves a charismatic lead in Robert Rodriguez's invent- inventive extravaganza. Death count seventy nine. Wow, that's a lot. Mm. So yeah, just watch it for the uh, steamy uh, sex scene. And so, don't worry about the rest. Excuse the pun, but does it hold up to today's standards? When I say as gore, it's like over the top. Oh, I meant the so, sex scene, but oh yeah, the sex scene does. Oh, right, brilliant. But imagine like being shot. It's just like over the top. It's like big oh, right. blood splats, like yeah, yeah, just yeah. coming out of the camera, and like it's no need for it. No, it's not like it's John Wick violent, but a bit over the top. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd recommend it though, for sure. Just for Selma Hayek alone. Yeah, but hold on to that thought about the penis pistol. Still, it's, it's gonna it's gonna haunt you in my next choice. Oh, I'm gosh. afraid. Okay. <clears throat> well, it looks like oddly it's for me to try and take us out of the mire. You need to and return us to the action venture, which is um, 1993 American action thriller film starring Sylvester Stallone in Cliffhanger. I think I've seen this. Long, long time ago. I think it's one of those films that's probably been on TV. You watch it and go, "That was all right," you know. Mm. And never watch it again. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I, I had it recorded on tape because you did in the nineties. Yeah. And I used to watch it 
I guess every other weekend. Get the old VHS out. Mm-hmm. Pop it in. And click record. There's some really odd like adverts, terrestrial TV adverts at the time. Mm. Um, before then, this film kicks in, obviously, and it breaks for the, for the adverts for the news. Like the ITV news with some random story about Elton John or something. Yeah, those were the days. But if you were really clever and you were watching the film on TV at the time, you could stop, wait until the commercial ads were done, and when it would come up, say like the film was about something you'd click record <clears throat> yeah my parents never did that they just press record and watched on the the, the radio times about when it'd finish mm. and then roughly turn up and press stop it was also annoying when you ran out of tape yes this happened in because I mean we didn't really get rid of our VHS tapes until probably about 2003 but my dad recorded Wrestlemania 2000 for me and of course, WrestleMania is like the big extravagant wrestling event of the year. This particular year went on for like three and a half, four hours. So of course, before I found out the result of the match... No way. Bump. I didn't know what the ending was. Because the tape uses, what, two, two and a half maybe at max? Yeah. So I think there was like a function where you could almost extend it a little bit. Right. It would like do a slower record. So the the frame rate was, wasn't as good. I didn't care at the time. No. I wanted to watch... Men in spandex event. throwing people off cages. Yeah, exactly. And of course, didn't see the result. I was fuming. Fuming young Dan. Not good. No. Well, there's we no digress. There's no men in spandex, but there are people jumping off things. Um, doesn't get much more 90s than this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Dan. Um, alongside Vasta Stallone is a John Lithgow, Michael Rooker, oh, uh, Michael and Janine Turner. Now, Cliffhanger is based. On the concept film by climber John Long, and the film follows Gabe, who plays by Stallone, a mountain climber who becomes embroiled in a heist of a US Treasury plane flying through the Rocky Mountains. It's all coming back to you? Yeah, a little bit. The film premiered in the 1993 Cannes Film Festival was released in the US on 28th of May 1993 by TriStar Pictures. Don't see many of those films anymore. I guess it must have been bought out by Sony, I mm. think, TriStar. It earned 255 million worldwide with a budget of just 70. It's not a bad return. No. Which could only assume was mainly Stallone's wages and a bunch of ropes and carabiners at this point because actually there's, again, no green screen. Not an awful lot happens. It's just Sylvester Stallone climbing mountains. Mm. Now, the, the film opens up to an incredibly traumatic scene, in my opinion, Dan. Oh, of course it does. It's one of the typical 90s things, wasn't it, to do? Uh-huh. Where Stallone, or Gabe, is climbing with his girlfriend and her harness breaks. Mm. And she's trying to cross this ravine. Everyone knows it's about it. It's all coming back to me now. It's now you all said that. coming back to me. <laughs> Celine Dion. Um, now he goes to reach out for her. He's like, don't let me fall. Yeah, it's harrowing. Don't let me fall. I'm swimming. And um her glove slips and she in very very slow motion grabbing air and she's falling down and we're talking hundreds upon hundreds of meters up in up in the sky between two ravines and she ain't walking away from this oh she's brown bread 
And Stallone's there going, no! As he's hanging, he's all safe. He's fine. Yeah, he's all good. And his mate, Michael Rook, he's in the helicopter nearby. He's like, you've killed her, what did you do? And he's very, very highly charged and emotive. Mm. Well, anyway, they lulled you into a false sense of security there at the beginning of the film, and then obviously they hit you between the eyes. Within the first five minutes, she, she carks it. Eight months later, his friend, who was there with at the time, holds a grudge, of course. They both go to rescue a fake set of mountaineers who end up being hired thugs who want to retrieve lots and lots of unmarked money, which is lost in mountain sizes. Plane crash down. Yeah. And they need someone with the expert skills to help them to retrieve it. So they fake this, this rescue. They get two very good mountain climbers to go and help them. Against their will, they've got to trek against this perilous, snowy mountainside to collect this money. Um... Now this season has a very short 113 minutes down, so we're talking actually lots of the films we've talked about already don't have a very long kind of runtime, do they? Mm, no. Compared to today's films where it's two, two and a half, even dare it, three hours, these are just over an hour and forty. We were spoiled these days. I think it's um quality over quantity back in the nineties. Yeah, for sure. As I talk I understand you know about cat development. I'm sure someone who's got a film degree will be writing to us. And actually I'd welcome I guess the debate, the health debate about whether longer films actually still give us better, greater return. I don't know if they do. But they probably do have greater cat development and writing in certain aspects. But for here I really do think it's short and sweet and punchy. Mm. Um Now nothing really makes sense from a plot perspective. And even less from the anticipated viewing interest standpoint, because it's very niche, isn't it? A climbing yeah. film about a heist. But I think it oddly works. Now, critics gave it, I think, a respectable 68%. And the audience apparently 52 Okay. Unusual for the critics isn't to it? rate higher than the audience. Yeah. But I wonder whether that's Stallone. Because um, he was definitely the star of the show. Mm. But um, that's, I guess that's my left field one, because... It's very niche. It's, again, action thriller in the mountains. It hadn't been done before. Arguably, hasn't really been done again since. I don't think it's a film that would probably pass today's audience, but I think it's worth a watch. If it's on TV or it's on a stream, uh, it's very 90s, so look past that. But I think it's an interesting story, though. Mm. That's my second one, Dan. Uh, so my next one is From Dusk Still Dawn. Right. January 19th, 1996, From Dust Till Dawn is an American action horror film directed by, you guessed it, Robert Rodriguez and written by Quentin Tarantino from a concept and story by Robert Kurtzman. Uh, Starring Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, Ernest Liu and Juliette Lewis. The plot follows a pair of American criminal brothers, played by Clooney and Tarantino, who take families hostages hostages put my teeth in again hostages that'll do played by Keitel Lou and Lewis again I'm probably not doing the names any justice in order to cross into Mexico but ultimately find themselves trapped in a saloon frequented by vampires Uh, it's got a runtime of 108 minutes the budget was $19 million and at the box, off, box office it only rakes in $59.3 million. There's a lot to unpack here. <clears throat> Tarantino literally drinks whiskey being poured down Salma Hayek's leg then sucks her foot. That's Tarantino, isn't it? He loves feet, doesn't he? He's a wrong one. 
<laughs> he is. In every film he's in, one way or another, if he directs or he participates in it, there's always a scene close up with feet. Yeah. It's not a fetish that I can get on board with, I'm afraid. No. Look, everyone... It's a safe space here on OTT. Everyone can... Within remit can like or say or do whatever they want but I do draw a line on certain things and one of those is toe sucking yeah it's it's kind of weird it's really like awkward to watch I turned to the missus and I went he's literally put that in there for himself and she was like oh yeah 100% he got he got the uh, he got the scripts and he went do you know what's wrong with this Kurtzman do you know what's wrong with this he went what he went not, <laughs> not enough feet he said so what he went not enough feet and not enough feet in my mouth. Here you go. I've written it in there. His revision. He went, no chance, mate. You'll never fly. He said, I'm Quentin Tarantino. You'll do whatever the fuck I say you will. By the way, it's never happened. I just, in my mind, <laughs> this is how it's I happened. imagine that's what's happened. Because there's no other feasible way that that surely would get past any director or producer. But yet, it's Tarantino. Right, so he's sucking the toes. I definitely don't think you get away with it now. This is, again, it's the 90s. But yeah, she's pouring whiskey down her leg. He's drinking this whiskey off her foot, and then he's sucking her toes. It's I say there's a lot to unpack in that. Yeah. Um, But equally, the gore is just over the top. It's funny and it's ridiculous. I've put in my notes. And as I mentioned earlier, the penis pistol reappears. What? The penis pistol. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this is a Tarantino or a Rodriguez thing, but we actually see it in use this time. You don't just see it like Park's way in a guitar case. Oh, right. Like Desperado. This thing pops out of one of the bloke's trousers and he's shooting from his crotch. Does it work? Does he Does he get anyone? Oh, yeah, he takes out a few vampires. Oh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> I never saw that coming. Uh, on the review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes it's got 63% of 51 critics reviews uh, with an average rating of 6.2 out of 10 the website's consensus reads a pulpy crime drama vampire film hybrid from dusk till dawn is an uneven but often deliriously enjoyable B movie it's literally what it I'd say that's perfectly described <clears throat> and the death count 141 Humans and vampires, as a mix. Oh, yes. Mm. Um, barely anyone makes out of this alive, surprisingly. Uh. It's a bit like um, Deep Blue Sea, which we talked about. No toe unsucked. Mm. Or neck, perhaps, more aptly. Well, it's, it's a good job Tarantino cocks it later on, isn't it? He's just sports it now. Well, um, did, he, did he meet his end at a penis pistol? or No, sadly not. No. Okay. But yes, that was my next choice, which was from Dostal Dawn. Lovely. Again, I'm taking it back out the gutter, Dan. Let's do it. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Last action hero. 1993? I had the figures. Yeah. So good. Great film. I thought you were about to do a chef's kiss. You just did it. I did it. It's... I can't describe the special place that that film has in my heart but it really does and I don't know why um, f- listen if you haven't watched it it's a self-aware fourth wall breaking film so it doesn't take itself seriously um, and it's obviously of one of the most <clears throat> one and only action movie stars of, well, of that decade um, 
Austrian actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. As Dan said, it's a 1993 American fantasy action comedy film directed and produced by John McTiernan. The last action here is satire of the action genre and associated cliches, containing several parodies of action films in the form of films within the film. It's almost like, um, like Inception. The film takes place within a film, and it knows as a film within a film. Yeah. I'm not really doing it justice, but it's 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 in a film universe, and they know that they are characters. It's almost a bit like um, Who Killed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that in that vein? It's not to be taken seriously, and we're not to believe that it's a real world that that actually the main main film takes place in. Um, the Schwarzenegger stars as Jack Slater, a Los Angeles police detective within the Jack Slater action film franchise, which he knows is part of. While Austin O'Brien co-stars as Danny Madigan, a boy magically transported into the Slater universe, he's got a. A golden cinema ticket. I'm not sure if you remember the, the storyline, Dan. Oh, I haven't seen it since probably the very early '90s, but I remember it's, it being good because I had the figures. Yeah, it's a I bit think like, it was like six to collect. Figures? Yeah, did you not get the figures? No. Oh my lord, you missed out. That might have to be like a, a very expensive Christmas 2023 search haul. Mm. Um, it's almost a bit like um, the Neverending Stories. It's all about you know. A geeky kid who spends a lot of time in like derelict places. You know, in the never-ending story, it's a boy who goes into an old library or a dusty building and just like reads a book mm-hmm. under a blanket. It's a very weird film, yeah. really. Uh, well, this one, this this little boy um, likes to spend time at cinema. Nothing wrong with that. With an old guy, questionable. Um, hardly anyone goes there. It's one of those old kind of nineteen forties kind of theaters, very Art Deco. And this this old man says, "Oh, he had this he has a special ticket." And the boy goes, hey, "It's not special." Of course, the ticket fucking glows. Yeah. Uh, it's glowing his tits off itself. It's like <laughs> that, that, that clearly magical, mate. Like, open your eyes. This thing is going to do something. But he takes it, puts it in his back pocket, and it transports him into this magical world of his favourite mm. action hero. And he's like, he has to play out the film, knowing that he's in a film, and try to convince everyone else in this film universe that they're not real. And they're all like, what you talk about is all real, and there's explosions going off, it's all tongue in cheek, and it's it's a great, great film, in my opinion. In my cocoa factory! Radcliffe, you you're pulling duty with the animated cat. I am toots. I'm getting a flea bath later. Join me. You touch me again, furball, and I'll kill you. I can prove this is a movie. Shh. Who the hell are you, kid? Look out there, this is a cartoon cat. He's supposed to be back on duty. He was only suspended for a month. Now shut up. Listen to what I'm saying. An animated cat just walked into the squad room. Hello? He'll do it again tomorrow, so what's your point? That cat is one of the best men I got. Yeah. Now who is this twerk, and where is that smile on his face? I just love the way you two fight. The way how you really feel about each other. Well, pray tell. Just how do I feel about this weird-looking sack of puppy poo? Your dearest friends. After your wife left you for the circus midget, and Jack told everyone he drove her to New England to the diphtheria clinic. When he came back, you said, you saved me from public humiliation, Jack. You're my dearest friend. And you promised me you wouldn't tell. I didn't. Well, then how did he know? Jack Slater won. What's winning got to do with this? No, the very first Jack Slater. You told your dad. I didn't tell anyone. I don't even know this kid. 
Um, now, Schwarzenegger also served, I didn't know this, as the film's executive producer and plays himself as the actor portraying Jack Slater. Now, the film also marked Art Carney in Tina Turner's last feature film before their passing in 2003 and 2023, respectively. Tina Tina Day is a love interest of Arnold Schwarzenegger in the film. What? She's in there. Um, now, Last Action Hero failed to meet the studio's expectations at the box office, Dan. It was a flop. Jesus. It was a certifiable flop. It was both a critical and a commercial disappointment. Its budget was $85 million, which there were some some effects. Mm. Uh, and it only made back 137 million. Ooh, that's not good. Which probably wasn't enough to cover even marketing. However, with most of these films, at least, it created a cult following years afterwards. Now, for those who haven't seen it, I mentioned before, Never Ending Story, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, even the elements of Jumanji, I think, are in here, mm. where worlds collide and they centre around the imagination and love of storytelling of a pre-pubescent young boy. Now, the film doesn't take itself seriously, has over-the-top explosions, witty but eye-rolling one-liners, and some real threat and danger as a boy who needs to enlist the help of Slater to put an end to his arch-nemesis, Benedict, who threatens the lives of actually his loved ones in the real world. So they, he goes into this, this make-believe world, and the baddie, the serial killer of that make-believe world, comes into our world and threatens this boy's uh, family. Yeah. It's really, really good because there's that tonal shift and actually, actually it's it's going to get real. Um, now, sure enough, Rotten Tomatoes assumingly gives it a retrospective review of 40% for the critics and 47 for the audience. Percent, that is. Describing the film as having most of the right ingredients for a big-budget action spoof, but its scattershot tone and uneven structure only adds up to a confused, chaotic mess. Yeah. Now, I would argue, critics... That's what makes it a great film. But it's a nineties film. Who cares? Exactly. It was all the chaotic, confused mess. They were the nineties. But anyway, <clears throat> that is my third one. The last action hero. If nothing else, watch it for the absolute self piss taking <laughs> of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's great. That is my absolute banger of a classic. I need to revisit that one for so sure. good. Uh, my next choice, my penultimate <clears throat> choice, is Primal Fear. Released April 3rd, 1996. Another bleak one, unfortunately. Uh, Primal Fear is a legal mystery thriller directed by Gregory Hoblet, based on the 1993 novel of the same name by William Dial, and written by Steve Shaggin and Anne Biderman. Sorry, come again? Steve Shaggin. Did he? I, I def- <laughs> well... <laughs> I'd, at least I didn't get the name wrong. No, no, so quite correct to say it's, it's in black and white, literally. <laughs> uh, it stars Richard Gere, Laura Linney, John Mahoney, Alfred Woodard, Francis McDormand, Andre Bower, Maura Tierney and Ed Norton in his film debut. Oh, wow. Mm. The film follows a Chicago defence attorney who believes that his altar boy client is not guilty of murdering a Catholic archbishop. This is bleak. Mm. Norton's performance earned critical praise. He won the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actor, Motion Picture, and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor and the BAFTA Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. No way. His performance is fucking phenomenal. I haven't seen this. Uh, You've seen it recently? 
Yes. So this was watched um, for research purposes. Yeah, I can't remember who recommended this one to us. I don't know if it was one of Claire's choices or someone said, "Oh, you need to watch this." But we we got it anyway, and um, yeah, it's very bleak, and the plot twist at the end will just blow your mind. That's one thing I will say: is the nineties really knew how to kind of pull something from left field and leave the the, the audience kind of a gasp. Mm. These days, it's very difficult to do because you can see it coming a mile off. But in the nineties, we never we 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 weren't we weren't used to those kind of story story no. tales. They just they they pull the rug from under your feet and leave you with the credits rolling. Yes, I mean Norton's performance <clears throat> is brilliant. So he essentially plays a schizophrenic. I'll say no more than that because I don't want to spoil it. Interesting. But the 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 way he turns from like this nice altar boy to quite a nasty bastard. Yeah. It's yeah, he, he's brilliant. I'm losing this case. You know why I'm losing this case? Because my fucking client is fucking lying to me. I never, 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 never lied to you. Bullshit! No more bullshit, no more games. Everybody thinks you did this, everybody. I'm the only one who believes you, and I am that close. So I want it all out, all of it, right now, right here. Did you underline that book? Hey, 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 look at me. Did you underline that book? No, 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 I didn't. I don't believe you. I that is bullshit. I told you. I don't you. fucking believe you. I told you. I saw the tape. I saw the tape. I know what he did to you. Oh, now, no. I want to hear it from you. No, no, tell no. Me, tell me the whole thing. Don't fucking do this. I want you to tell me the truth and do not even think about it. You fucking killed him, didn't you? You did it. You no. killed him. You're so full of shit. You did it, didn't you? Tell me the truth. Don't lie to me. You little fuck, you did it. You killed him. You son of a bitch. You fucking killed him. No. What the hell you want from me now? Quit your crying. I can't understand a goddamn word you're saying. You little sissy, you make me sick. Uh, it's got a runtime of 113 minutes. Uh, the budget for this was 30 million, and it did make its bank back. It raked in 102.6 million at the box office. That's not bad. Uh, review aggregation website Rotten Tomatoes reports an approval rating of 77% based on 47 reviews with an average rating of 6.8 out of 10. The site's critics' consensus reads, Primal Fear is a straightforward yet entertaining thriller elevated by a crackerjack performance by Edward Norton. Uh, death count in this one, one. But I'm sure you felt that one. Um, I mean, there is an off-screen death, so you could essentially say it's two, oh, okay. but it is, it is just the one. Um but it's phenomenal. I recommend anyone watch Primal Fear. I'd, I suppose it's like a '90s version of Suits with a bit of uh, bit of crime thriller in it. Interesting. It's very good. Highly recommend. Ed Norton. I'm not a massive Ed Norton fan. You know I that. Think, I don't think many people are, mate. Hollywood definitely isn't. No. Although he was in um, Glass Onion recently on Netflix. He was good in that. He was bloody brilliant in that. But I mean, he hasn't done an awful lot recently because. He was blacklisted since Marvel dropped him like a hot head. Yeah, he was a bit of a diva, apparently. Yeah. Shame, but yeah, I mean, if this was anything to go by, he certainly had a hell of a lot of potential, wasn't <clears> he? He's got acting chops, for sure. Mm. Very good. Uh, on to my penultimate one, Dan. The second, can't get enough of him, 
of my Arnold Schwarzenegger films in the 90s. And this one is a 1994 American action, action comedy film written and directed by James Cameron. So you know it's going to be lots yeah. of explosions, lots of shooty, shooty, bam, bang. Love it. Based on 1991 French comedy film La Totale. It's true lies. I've not heard of this. What? No, I've not heard of it. Is this a left field choice? Now, listener, just take a second. If you can imagine someone flipping a table that's full of <laughs> hot drinks, young children, potted plants, I'm flipping this table as hard as I can. Children, items are being strewn across this 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 fictional room in absolute anger and disgust. That's what I would do right now if I had those things. I wouldn't do. People are legging it like an angry tsunami. They're crying. There's blood everywhere. <laughs> there's rubble. We don't know why there's rubble, but there's rubble. The whole world has come to pieces because I'm incensed that you don't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. This is hideous. This is the end of the podcast. He's almost as angry as that time I mentioned that the fourth Harry Potter book was the worst one. Goblet of Fire. We are... Um, we're we're on the, the, the razor's edge tonight. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is... We started off strong. This is it. This is the end of the podcast, as we know. I'll it. do his homework, I promise. It's such a good book! <laughs> anyway, no, no. We're not going to go there. <laughs> do one outrage at a time. True lies, down. The film stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as Harry Tasker, as a US government agent who struggles to balance his double life as a spy with his familial duties. A very sexy Jamie Lee Curtis, a Tom Arnold, Ooh. Bill Paxton, Art Malik, and Tia Carrera star in supporting roles. It's a strong cast. Very strong, actually. Now, True Lies was the first Lightstorm Entertainment project to be distributed under Cameron's multi-million dollar production deal with 20th Century Fox as well as the first major production for the visual effects company Digital Domain, which was also co-founded by Cameron. So he had a lot of skill in the game. Mm. Now, um, it was also the first film to cost $100 million. The first film. Now, to his wife, Helen, and his daughter, Dana, Harry Tasker is a salesman. For business software, often away on business trips, but in actuality, he's a secret agent for the Omega sector. Very cool name. A top secret US counterterrorism agency. Now the film follows Harry as he attempts to retrieve a stolen nuclear warhead from some terrorists featuring a love interest who ends up being a literal femme fatale played by uh, Thierry Carrera and one of the best baddies of the 90s in my opinion Art Malik. Now this has it all. It has subtle comedy. It does have heart and now all time action scenes. So there's one particular scene where... um, and this is where they, they where a lot of the millions are spent. Um, Schwarzenegger's in a Harrier jump jet. Mm-hmm. It's one of these vertical takeoff fighter planes in the nineties. They're now mothballed mostly. I think the UK still got a couple in operation, but they're really just for training. I think they're not in in earnest. We've now got the Euro fighters anyway. Um, and he's shooting the, uh, the the guns or these things and missiles, or and he's he's hovering above buildings and chasing cars and this thing. Um, to other scenes where he's on the horse, riding horseback through a shopping mall, chasing a baddie on a motorbike. This film is bananas <laughs> and bonkers. I don't find not heard of this or it's seen it. It's so good. Now, with James Cameron behind the film and Brad Friedel composing, who was also behind Terminator 2, you know it's going to be one of the mm. best action films of the 90s. And in my opinion, it really, really is. Uh, True Lies was mostly positive reviews or received by critics. And it ultimately grossed $378 million worldwide. 
becoming, becoming the third highest grossest film of that year. Now for her performance, Curtis won the Golden Globe Award for Best Actress, a motion picture musical or comedy, and a Saturn Award for Best Actress, while Cameron won the Saturn Award for Best Director. Mm. Now he was also nominated at the Academy Awards and BAFTAs in the Best Visual Effects category, and also for seven Saturn Awards. How strange we've both picked penultimate films that have won awards. We're widely celebrated. Mm. Um, tell you what, Dan, we'll get some beers in. You can go on the craft because um, you're the craft guru. I'm the hipster. And I'll probably get some cheap Thai beer, which is absolutely delicious and goes down the street. And we'll watch it. Let's do it. Let's book something in. It's so good. Very iconic films and scenes. <clears throat> um, I won't spoil it. Do watch it. That's my one of my favourite all times. My penultimate. That's True Lies. Nice. Well, <clears throat> my final choice would come as... Maybe a bit of a surprise, but it's not left field. Uh, and I only recently watched these films last year. Very late last year. Ah, yes. Mission Impossible. Mm. May 22nd, 1996. Uh, Mission Impossible is an American action spy film directed by Brian Dell Palmer and produced by and starring Tom Cruise. Yeah. What, what a guy. A continuation of the 1966 television series of the same name and its 1988 sequel series, canonically set six years after the latter, it is the first instalment in the Mission Impossible film series. And of course, we've only just recently reviewed Mission Impossible 7. Dead Reckoning, part one. It also stars John <coughs> Voigt, Henry Journey, I think I've got that right, Emmanuel Bert, Jean Reno, or was it Jean? Jean Reno. Jean Reno. Ving Rames, Kristen Scott, Thomas, and Vanessa Redgrave. The the cast in this shouldn't work on paper. But it does. It bloody does. They're so good together. They're all brilliant. Mm. Ving Rames, I hadn't <clears> seen him <throat> I'd seen him in Pulp Fiction before, I think just. This was ninety six, and yeah. Pulp Fiction was ninety three, ninety four. Ninety four, I think. So good. Mm. They're all brilliant, and um, John Voight, I mean, Jesus Christ, what an actor. And he's brilliant in this film, so good. So I don't know why I always put this off, and until last year, I actually really do appreciate the Mission Impossible films now, having watched them all, I yeah. think, over... We watched them back-to-back, didn't you? Yeah, that th- took us about three weeks. We would sort of watch it on a Friday, then a Saturday. Uh, in the film, Ethan Hunt played by Cruz, seeks to uncover who framed him for the murders of most of his impossible Mission Force IMF team. It runs for 110 minutes. Its budget was only £80 And at the box office it brought in £457.7 Everyone was watching it when we were growing up. Do you you remember that? All my school friends were. I I don't think I ever got around to seeing it. I think I watched it on, um, on Blockbuster Tape. Remember when those were things, the good old days? Um, I never went to the cinema to watch it, I don't think. And all my friends were like, oh yeah, gotta go and see it, gotta go and see it. Everyone at school was talking about it. It was the film to watch. I did play it on the N64, though. Because I thought it would be like Bond, but it's not... Oh yeah, was that any good? It's not first person, you're like third person. Yeah, it's third. It was alright, though. It was quite good. You still had to do like the little dive through the lasers and stuff. It got half-decent reviews, I seem to remember. I always wanted it, but I could never find a copy, because... But the, the cartridges are so expensive that after mm. they got initially released, and they're sort of like Donkey Kong, 64, Mario Kart, or Mario World, they were never 
they're never around, were they? No. They're released then, gathering dust. Had to go somewhere like um, Ross Records in Portsmouth yeah. to get or the second hand market. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible opened on May twenty second, ninety six, in a then record three thousand and twelve theatres, becoming the first film to be released to over three thousand theatres in the US, and broke the record for a film opening on Wednesday, with. 11.8 million US dollars beating the 11.7 million sets by Terminator 2 wow. Judgment Day made in 91 it grossed 75 million in its first six days surpassing Jurassic Park what? and took in more than 56 million over the four day Memorial Day weekend this is some mind blowing stuff the next year uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park would take the records for having the largest May opening weekend not sure you'd agree with that. No, you're not a fan of. We don't Lost like World. it. I love it. I think it's what? Yeah, I don't like it. I love the Lost World. I know you, you, you can't don't. tell me that a container ship carrying a T Rex <laughs> just ends up careering into like a dock, <laughs> and everyone goes, "Yeah, that's cool. Love to see you here." I feel like Alex is going to throw me in the sea in a minute. Like, just suspend your disbelief. <sighs> <laughs> just no, down. Just no. We're going to fall out. That's strike three. Uh, <laughs> True Lies, Harry Potter, Jurassic Park. I'll go home via the sea. Don't worry. I'll take a take a walk over to the hot walls and I'll take a swim. You can get into that fictional barge of the Lost World <laughs> with T-Rex and you can go sail off into the sunset. What an absolute farce that film is. <laughs> Absolute Nothing apart from the title is really a Jurassic Park film. In my humble opinion, what nonsense! It has, it has a, right, I, I need to pull myself back together. I am seething, Dan. He is fuming, spitting feathers this evening. Uh, on review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, Mission Impossible holds an approval rating of sixty-six percent, based on sixty-five reviews, with an average rating of six point one out of ten. I think that's a bit short change for that film. I think it's really good. This holds up really well. I think. No, no. What I mean is. It should be better. Mm. Like even the seventies, not the sixties. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think the storyline's really good, and it, it, it really like the misdirection's phenomenal. Mm. The acting, the cast, it's great, and the stunts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the website's critics consensus reads: full of special effects. Brian De Palma's update of Mission Impossible has a lot of sweeping spectacle but the plot is sometimes convoluted. Would you agree? It's the art style. I don't wholly yeah. disagree, but I think it, it wields it necessarily. There's some films you go, yeah, I can see what you're doing there, and that's just no need for it. This film, you can see why. Because it, pull, it pulls it off neatly towards the end. Yeah. Death count, eight. Mm. And that's where it ends. That's where it ends. Well, I've got my last one and then quite a few honourable mentions. My last one, Dan, is a 1995 American post-apocalyptic action film directed by Kevin Reynolds and based on Raiders' original 1986 screenplay starring Kevin Costner and also produced it with Charles Gordon and John Davis distributed by Universal Pictures. It's Waterworld. I think I've sort of seen this in the background. 
Have you most ever people, watched it properly? Yeah, most people haven't committed any kind of grey matter to it. So if you haven't, like Dan listener, the setting of the film is in the distant future. Uh, the polar ice caps have completely melted and the sea level has risen over 7,500 metres, which in our money Oof. is 25,000 feet, covering nearly all the land. Now the plot of the film centres on a nameless anti-hero, the Mariner, a drifter who sails the earth in a catamaran. Now, the most expensive film ever made at the time, Waterworld was released to mixed reviews from critics who praised the futuristic setting and the premise but criticised the execution, including the characterisation and acting performances. Now, the film also was unable to recoup its massive budget at the box office despite being one of the grossest highest film, or the highest grossing film, should I say, of 1995. However, the film did later become profitable owing to video and other post-cinema sales. So by skin of its teeth, mm. it made some money back. Now, the film was also nominated for an Academy Award in the category of Best Sound at the 68th Academy Awards. Now, oddly, it is often criticised as one of the worst films of all time, Dan. And yet I think mm. it's great, if not slightly misjudged. Now, the plot is that in 2500, as I mentioned before, the sea level, everything's underwater. The remains of the human civilization live on the rugged, floating communities. So basically, like cobbled together rubbish um, and old super tankers. It's all rusty. Civilization doesn't really exist. They don't yeah. live in buildings all on the water. Um, and it's all about Kevin Costner, who is somewhat of a mutant. He's got webbed feet, webbed hands. All right. Um, and of course, naturally, he's chastised and marginalised by whatever society that he's in. A bit like Mad Max in the water, actually. But not really well executed. So is it a bit like the X Men? He's like a bit of a mutant. Yeah, but it only benefits him in terms of being able to swim really fast under the sea to get yeah. the currency, which is dirt. Interesting. And dirt is exchanged, and he can dive down to what is now our ground level under the water with the um, skyscrapers, and he can collect this this ground, this dirt from the, the sea mm. floor go up, dry it out and then sells it for clean water and goods and repairing his ship it's it's not great but I don't think it's that bad hence why it's one of my notable 90s films um, now there's a great cinematic ending where the showdown does occur on a rust bucket super tanker and um, it does end at the peak of Everest now Rotten Tomatoes give it a total score of 45% and the audience score 43 hmm. summarising the film as though it suffered from toxic buzz at the time of its release, Waterworld is ultimately an ambitious misfire an extravagant sci-fi flick with some decent moments and a lot of silly ones. A bit harsh I think so because I think Kevin Costner, whether you like him or hate him I think does the best he can do with the script. Yeah. I think it's an interesting concept I think it came off as quite cheesy, you know, like modern, as I say, Mad Max kind of pirate-esque vibes. And I think that it was probably quite jarring to people. <clears throat> but again, if it's, it's a movie, right? If you suspend all belief and, and use your imagination, I think he's got something in it. And there is some heart, because he does come across um, a, a love interest with her young daughter, and he rescues him, and they, they build this unlikely kind of friendship and they sail off into the sunset I think I think there's something in it so look what I will say is don't go buying it they made their money back 
make make peace with that. But if it is on TV or you have nothing to do on a Sunday night and it's on the streamer, give it a go. Because I think I think it's worth a watch. I wouldn't say queue it up in your your list, mm. but because we all have lists right on the streaming, you know, oh yeah, queue them up. Things to watch that you never get round to because there's always a new film out. Oh, my Netflix one just keeps growing. Yeah, apparently. Um, I'd recommend watching it. I really would. Mm. That's my um, that's my last one. But I've got a load of honourable mentions down. In fact, I went through every in Bali because wait for my son to fall asleep. In Bali, I was looking through every single theatrical release from 1990. To 2000, Dan. But that's a great piece of homework to do. It's really enjoyable. So here are just some, Dan, because I've saved a lot for actually a volume three. Oh, yes. I've always done my homework. That's going to happen. <clears throat> I could have chosen the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, starting off in 1990. Yep. Cracking one. Um, they're in costume. Shredder is scary as shit. You've got a odd-looking um, splinter. And it looks very odd, because obviously it's all costume and there's someone inside but um i really enjoyed that film interesting take on the beloved cartoon in the 1988 89 yeah i used to watch those growing up i had them on vhs so good yeah um i could have chosen total recall the one with the woman with three boobs yep i could have chosen gremlins 2 the new batch that scared the shit out of me growing up, especially when the the water would come on them and then fucking big creepy bastards would grow out their backs. I think I talked about this before. That film simultaneously put me off pizza for eighteen months. Ooh, yeah, that that's traumatizing. It is and because pizza is life. I know, right? Because um, one of the gremlins ends up being the bad ones. Is put into a microwave in one of the um oh. the the. the uh, department stores yeah I remember this scene they slam the door shut spin it and run off as they're being chased and of course it gets cooked and eventually explodes and inside yeah. looks exactly and hopefully look it doesn't put you off pizza ladies and gentlemen boys and girls or you down but what happens inside that microwave looks like margarita pizza it's like the uh, Chicago town ones yeah where you red the, fucking... yeah it's gross Whoa. and so then a couple of weeks later my dad said oh I've got some, some pizza for you for the weekend and he dished it up and the, the, the slightly charred cheese on this cheap margarita store bought pizza was reminiscent <laughs> of a gremlin a dead gremlin and I couldn't eat it and dad's like stop being silly you're eating it and I, I sat at that t- bloody table for like two hours I couldn't bring myself to eat it Screwing it away underneath the table in the hope that he think I was chomping away. It was gross. Mm. Anyway, I could have mentioned that. I did, but I didn't. Uh, Days of Thunder, another Tom Cruise. Mm. What about him uh, being a race car, NASCAR racer? Uh, I could have talked about Die Hard 2. Not my favourite. Not great. Ghost. Let's get a bit romantic. Patrick oh, yes. Swayze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, the Witches, Dan. The Witches, oh man. I can't watch that even now. In my mid-thirties, I refuse to watch that. Roald Dahl, hideous. I think I watched it. It was on TV very late 2006, and even then, it was haunting. Yeah, no chance. Um, I could have mentioned The Rescuers Down Under. Great film. Three Men and Little Lady. Great film again. Edward Scissorhands. 
Oh, that's creepy as shit. Yeah, exactly. Silence of the Lambs. But no. Backdraft. Again, another niche film. Not this time about mountain climbers, but about firemen who um, teach you some help, you know, some home safety tips about mm. fire. But about this big skyscraper where they've got to save people. And, you know, the opening doors and flames are engulfing, running at them. And I can't describe it. It's an interesting film. Backdraft. But no, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Uh, the Naked Gun, two and a half. Hot Shots, which never takes itself seriously, with my Charlie Sheen. Um, the Adams Family. An American Tale, Five All Goes West. Yeah, yeah, good choice. Cracking kids animated film. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Star Trek Four: The Undiscovered Country. I wasn't a huge fan of that one. I loved it. One of my favourites. Uh, I love Wrath of Khan. Wrath of Khan's good. And the search <clears> of <throat> Spock was fucking terrifying as well as that planet itself. Soul destroying. Yeah. Um, Hook. Ah, oh, Robin Williams. Great choice. Brilliant. Love it. Aladdin. Another good choice. 94. Aladdin was great. Robin Williams again. Uh, yeah, yeah ninety-four. Um. But I could have also had Father the Bride, Beethoven, Fern Gully, yeah. Sister Act, Patriot Games, which is um, a, a crime thriller, uh, Drop Zone, which gets another. I've got loads of these niche ones, but mm. again, not about um, mountain climbing, not about surfing, but this time about parachuting people. Similar themes. Yeah. There's a heist, they jump out of planes with parachutes. It doesn't really go very much go anywhere really because you can only go down but anyway it's an interesting concept but no I could have had Batman Returns Universal Soldier Honey I Blew Up The Kid yeah great choice The Mighty Ducks Home Alone 2 Lost in New York which is the better of the well the two oh they're both brilliant I'd, I'd say it's, I mean both are very different independently you, they are both, both films I think two just pips it for me come up to Christmas now so they'll be on the, oh, uh, yeah. the watch list and they're usually the, the, some of the last films we watch no definitely The Bodyguard Kevin Costner yeah Whitney Houston yeah I think it is Super Mario Brothers the really weird kind of live action dinosaur uh, aesthetic prosthetic mm deal going on sci-fi very weird film no Free Willy Dan oh man have mean tears as a young little Alex watching this whale jump over some rocks can't tell you why don't watch the Family Guy version it's harrowing no it's gross uh, Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park of course The Firm with Tom Cruise that's a great cracking film uh, The Fugitive Cool Runnings Four Weddings and a Funeral the Lion King. Yeah, great choice. Where it all started, Stargate. Sci-fi classic, very niche, not for everyone, but I really enjoyed it. But no, I could have had Forrest Gump. Which features in the Mandela Effect, FYI. It does. Would uh-huh. that go back and revisit that episode? I think we did a Vault episode, didn't we? We did, yeah. Uh, Clear and Present Danger, another thriller. Time Cop. Shawshank Redemption. Bad Boys. Great film. Braveheart. Oh, mate. Yes. Casper. Yeah. 97? Uh, I think so, with... Or 96, um, one of the two. Uh, Richie, um, what's her name? Child actor at the time. She's now oh. a Wednesday. I will call Christina. her Nicole Richie, Christina Richie. Yeah. Yeah, very, very good child actress. 
um, Apollo 13. Yeah. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. 1995, good choice. The Banging. CGI is horrendous though. Oh, it all is though, isn't it? Babe. Yeah. Seven. Or finishing off, at least for this episode, honourable mention, Goldeneye. Pierce Brosnan. Great film. Great N64 game. It's been re-released recently, hasn't it? Xbox One and Switch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, great soundtrack. Great cast. Got Robbie Coltrane in there. Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah. Brilliant film. So good. Yeah. Those yeah. are my honourable mentions. I had a lot of fun. Hopefully, listener, some of those resonated with you. But um, I could have mentioned all of those, but I bloody didn't. I went and mentioned freaking Cliffhanger and Waterworld, but <laughs> but for good reason. I think because I want to share some of my nostalgia and some of the reasons perhaps why they probably missed people's radars and maybe it might be worth a watch when you feel so inclined. Mm. I did have an honourable mention for Deep Blue Sea, which was released oh, yeah. 28th of July 1999, uh, starring Saffron Burroughs, Thomas Jane, Samuel Jackson, Michael Rappaport and LL Cool J. Set in an isolated underwater facility, the film follows a team of scientists and their research on Mako sharks so good. to help fight Alzheimer's disease. Won't go into too much detail because, of course, we are doing a film review. Oh, we are. It's going to be bloody soon. brilliant. Can't wait. Yeah. Gore fest. But let's go over to the listener. Yes. Oh, 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 oh. Right, let's hit up Instagram first. First, we had Zach. Fifth Element. Oh, shout out to Zach. Yes. What a good choice. Oh, man. Um, Again, another film Bruce doesn't Willis. take itself seriously. Um, Chris Rock. Who's the director? It's a French director. Very well known. Um, we'll come. We'll come to you. Continue with your your notes, and I'll um, I'll interrupt yeah. you as I usually do. We'll, we'll come back to Fifth Element in a second. Uh, Luke chose Jurassic Park. Luke Besson. Yeah, it's a Luke Besson film. Um, it's got a particular star, but I mean, I wanted to kill Chris Tucker in that film. So annoying. Did you find it? Yeah, he's Ruby a bit Rod. But I do find him quite funny. It is. So it doesn't take itself seriously. Uh, it's brilliant. Corbin Dallas Multipass. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Yeah. Multipass. Lilu uh, Multipass. You know this Multipass. Lilu Dallas, my wife. We're newlyweds. Just met. Uh, going back to listeners, Luke, he chose Jurassic Park. Um, oh, of course. Now, we have reviewed it. We have. Um, way back in the uh, TW Rad days. So there is a review out there. We did the 25th anniversary. It was my birthday. We also went behind the scenes during uh, the Rona times in uh, we did. 2020. That's a really good episode. I really enjoyed it. We learned how the ripples <clears throat> were formed on the glass, how a T-Rex roar is created. How someone nearly died inside a T-Rex. Really got sliced. So good. No, no, in real life, listener. Not, not, not in the film, as in... Literally... Someone's inside the animatronics. The mechanics. And it they nearly didn't come out. We discussed how we might have tried to get out of that situation. But of course, they did something different. They did. It's a really good episode. Yeah. Um, it might make a vault at some point. But if you are subscribed to the podcast, it's back in... Uh... Keep, keep on scrolling all the way, all the way to the bottom. Um, and it'll be there. It's It's such a good episode. And I think... For more iconic films, just a side note, listen, if there's any kind of behind the scenes that you want us to cover off, 
some interesting anecdotes about how films were made um, and there's loads out there and just let us know and we'll do some some research and we'll do another behind the scenes because we haven't done one since actually no hold that thought because I'm sure behind the scenes was in the OTT era I think it was OTT 4 I'm scrolling I'm furiously scrolling through Spotify just to find it this this is where your uh, your Rain Man skills are coming in. I don't know how you remember these things, Dan. I just yeah, it was OTT four shit. Bloody hell, it's insane. I just sit here and I talk nonsense, and it gets recorded, and I do some post edit. You actually care and listen <laughs> and remember, and how often you mate? Because someone's got to. I try. Uh, next up, we got Dave. He says, "Good fellas." Oh, shout out to Dave. Yeah, I'm your double sided DVD. Hi, Dad. Uh, that was my dad. Yeah. Both what my a parents legend. chose it, actually. Absolute legend. And Mandy. Good old Mandy. All right, Mum. Uh, next up, we've got Dan, regular listener. He chose Biodome. Uh, oh, I've heard this. I never saw it. I think another cult classic, this one. Paulie Shaw and Kylie Minogue. Uh, the most 90s film ever and quite possibly the most underrated masterpiece of a generation. And he's put a hashtag, Viva Los Biodome. I think people do say that. I've got that's got to be on my watch list because yeah, bit I, of homework. I even remember people when it came out they're saying, "Oh, it's so good," but I think it was a cult classic when it was released, mm. let alone now. So yeah, it's definitely one I got to watch. Uh, and then lastly, this is quite a big email. So this is from Lewis and Lauren, who were uh, gate crashing their wedding. Oh yeah, looking forward to that. Um, Haven't got the the inv- did you get the invite yet? No, I don't know. If, don't know when their wedding is. We we wait. We'll be told, sure enough. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Well, Lewis wants to go for a beer soon at Staggering Good with us. So, um, well, I, I guess it's only right that we, we meet him before we go to his wedding. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, can't wait. So he says, hey guys, love the pod and stuff. On the favourite 90s films, well, there's a couple that spring to mind. He's got a list of 10. It's not a couple. <laughs> but they're all bangers. So hear it. let's hear him out. Lion King, Disney classic that was the soundtrack of my last year at school, pretty much. Oh. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Not given a lot of credit at the time, but it's in, an incredible film nonetheless. Morgan Freeman narrating things never gets old. No. What He's a lovely voice. Sultry, deep voice. Beautiful voice. It's the sort of voice that would make you... Just makes you feel calm. It really does. It would help you go to sleep, I think. Uh, number three, this is a great choice, which featured in Volume 1, Independence Day. Oh, yes. You guys have covered that in detail many times, as we as, as it should be. Quite rightly so. Number four, Jurassic Park. Goes without saying. Yep. Number five, Terminator 2, best sequel ever. Shouldn't have made any more. 100%. Agreed. Terminator 3 is shocking. Yeah, garbage. Uh, number six, oh, this is a great choice, to be fair. Waterboy. Toss up between ah, yes. that and Happy Gilmore. Again, another banger, Lewis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, more best comedy films of that era. Although Little Nicky holds a special place in my heart. Little Nicky is good. The Deep South. <laughs> that was my impression. It's pretty shit. All oh, right. <laughs> That's what it was. Alex is looking even more perplexed than usual. I've been amused. Uh, <laughs> number seven, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Remember watching this when I was six. Uh, never laughed so hard in my life. Uh, number eight, The Matrix. Oh, 98 or 99? I think it was 99. It's so good. Well, unless that came out on VH- VHS in 99, I can't remember. Groundbreaking on so many levels. Agreed. 
Number nine, this is a banger, The Mummy. Yeah, Still Brendan Fraser. Up. So good. Still stands up as a great adventure, and I love it to this day. I need to watch that again, you know. With um my all-time mm. favourite actress, Rachel Weisz. There you go. I mean, th- throughout these years, my love has never waned for that actress. Mm. Um, I'm still waiting for the call, Rachel. So um, when you get get bored of Daniel Craig, uh, I don't think you kick him out of bed. But if you ever did, you know where I am. A bit like my Ruthie babes, Ruth Wilson. Yeah. I love a bit of Ruth Wilson. Well, I see sense. Uh, number 10, Pulp Fiction. I mean, yep. come on. We talk about that in... Don't we talk about it? We've talked about it for years. Yeah. It's, it regularly really reappears good. in the pod. Yeah. Honourable mentions, GoldenEye, which yep. you've just mentioned. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, Costner couldn't be bothered to learn the English accent, so just didn't bother. Just an American in Nottingham, apparently. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Batman Forever and Returns. Goodfellas and Scream. Batman Returns? Isn't... That's not bad, actually. I'm thinking of Batman and Robin. Is that the one with the nipple suit? Yeah. Batman Returns with Val Kilmer, isn't it? Yeah. That's not bad. If you actually have a Google, um, but he goes on to say, 90s did turn out some good ones. Lewis, 100% with you. Oh, no, my bad. No, that's um, uh, Catwoman. Batman Returns and Penguin isn't it yeah. uh, Danny DeVito with Michelle Pfeiffer of course the original the OG Michael Keaton that was scary because it was um, Tim Burton wasn't it yeah yeah Tim Burton by Daniel Waters quite freaky mm. remember watching that when I was like I 8 or 9 of these films. It, it gave me nightmares because it's just tonally it's very dark literally but also in writing Good film. Uh, Lauren likes Basic Instinct. Yes. Oh, Lauren. Death Becomes Her. Do you remember that? It's great. Is it when she comes back to life? Bruce Willis, yeah. yeah. They drink some sort of serum so they don't die or they come back from from the dead. Yeah, I remember. I remember <clears> at one point they're, they're wearing like rings around their necks or one of them is and it's like trying to hold her head back yeah up. yeah yeah it's brilliant and it's, it's a comedy nice. isn't it yeah it's again one of those films that doesn't take itself too seriously no. I think at one point one of their skins or their skin starts peeling off a bit like Hocus Pocus no yeah a little it's bit similar like kind of thing of an ilk yeah yeah uh, Clueless Schindler's List very bleak but um, educational phenomenal yeah Pretty Woman never seen it I think I have, but a very long time ago. Sixth Sense. Got a bit of a Bruce Willis theme going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's quintessential mid to end nineties, wasn't he? Yeah. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, good one. Freaky as hell, though. Uh, Jurassic Park. Obviously. Uh, as you can see, we've gone for very different kinds of films. But they're all bangers. They're all great. They're all great. Some of them I haven't seen, but I mean, Lewis's choices are brilliant. Um, I think we've probably got some homework to do for a volume three somewhere in the future. I've already got my notes ready. You've got to step up. Oh, I better step up. Hopefully between them we'll revisit favourite Naughties films because that was quite a good episode. Yeah. 
again done during the COVID time. So when you listen to that audio, if you go back and revisit it, it's of it's it's its time. The quality's not great, but of course we break into Blockbuster. We had Buster. to do what we had to do. We talk about Blockbuster and uh, how that simpler time was a beautiful thing. It was. But that wraps up for our listeners. But that's it for this week. That's our favourite 90s films, Volume 2. But what have we got coming next? What's uh, happening? Well, that's our last episode ever, Dan, because we've fallen out. Um, you shouldn't be offering any future episodes. <laughs> I've had it with you. We're done. Well, we have got some stuff lined up. We've got a guest. Oh, yeah, I, I suppose we should probably do that episode. Can, can you line up my Tukas or Victoria Pier at the Hot Walls to kick me off after we've done the episode? Fine. <laughs> but not an episode after. Um, yeah, we've got um, a really good interview with the um, Southern Ghost Society. Yes, so we'll be sitting down with Dan, definitely Dan, uh, possibly his brother Lee. Plus others. Uh, possibly others. We're, we're not too sure he's going to be coming with Dan, but it's going to be a really good Halloween episode this year. So our annual one. I I think he was just off the cuff, wasn't it, a couple of years ago. I said, should you just do a Halloween episode? I think because I was doing one for the radio and I thought, you know, not an episode of show. And I thought it'd be quite fun to, to kind of investigate it and do something different. Mm. And since then, it's been something I've really looked forward to every year. And we've, we've talked about our own stories and our experiences, some of yours, listeners, and some which really have put hairs running. It's, it's not tongue-in-cheek. We don't take them because it's quite a serious tone. Mm. Um, you've done some really good ones about... Um, Local haunts in the UK. Yeah, so that was 2021s. That was our volume two. Last year we we kept it local, so we did Portsmouth, Southsea, and the surrounding areas. Really good episode. Yeah. So to sit down with, in my opinion, Hampshire's finest investigators and get some of their stories and what they do. I'm really excited. Yeah. And I've known these boys for ten years now. I guess for me, it's. Whilst you can indulge, and I think we will, you know, obviously in, in some of the stories that kind of resonate and, and stay with them, because obviously they do this as a hobby, but they do it a lot. I think for me is what kind of does that, what's that entail? Mm. You, know, you, you don't just turn up, you've got to look after the safety of other people, got to make sure they have a good time. It's a non-profit, is that right? Yeah, they're non-profits. They, they just do it for the enjoyment. They don't shoehorn anything into... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's they want you to experience what you experience. Yeah. There's nothing there being forced, or they don't spoon feed you. If you're a skeptic, that's fine. <clears throat> but that's whatever happens, happens. It's not set up. It's not you're not pushed through a funnel and and, and experience. It's mm. it's there. And I think it's really interesting to kind of get that perspective as much as they can share and about yeah. you know what does that entail? What does that look like? And what to expect if you if like me, listener, you haven't gone one of those things, and perhaps you might might be interested yeah fingers crossed got a couple of film reviews uh, so we're going to be doing Deep Blue Sea and we've been set look, um, homework by Lewis so we need to review Dungeons and Dragons saw that, saw that the other day oh you've seen it yeah so you're all prepared <clears throat> so I better hurry up and it won't take me three years Lewis um, I promise well we've got on it yeah That'll be our next couple of episodes before the Halloween episode. And we'll probably cram in some other bits and pieces as well before... The inevitable Christmas. It's a little bit sad, really, isn't it? I think when we record with Dan, that episode won't see the light of day for another four weeks. No, but it's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah. But we're looking forward to getting in the studio. And, uh, yeah. 
it's been a while since we've been in the the hallowed halls and microphones of uh, mm. my radio station but um in order to do it justice you can't have it over zoom or teams you've got to you can see the whites of their eyes and experience it so really looking forward to that been a while since we've had guests as well everyone seems to be busy good which is a good thing it's really good not so much for the podcast no. but no it's nice to have uh, other people to talk to no offense dad it's all good I mean, you, you, you're bidding me off anyway, so... I might have a replacement, so, uh, yeah. Is it Jukes? Uh, perhaps. Uh, if you want your application, it's um, uh, ontopicpodcast.gmail.com. Uh, and alternatively, if you want to pitch your sale to Alex, you can get in touch on Facebook, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, Instagram, TikTok, uh, threads, it is at ontopicpod, or you can leave us a message to say on our Gmail as Alex said so I'm not going to repeat that uh, and then of course we've got YouTube and WordPress yeah uh, don't forget those so we've got our um, our WordPress our website on topic podcast.wordpress.com got our ugly mugs our bios you've got our whole back catalogue subscribe to that newsletter and be notified when um, uh, an episode drops uh, and also then yes YouTube so actually we've got all of our OTT episodes i did the whole back catalogue Dan did all of the artwork furiously releasing double release every week for many many months and we're up to date so every week if perhaps you want to put YouTube in the background and listen as many people do actually numbers mm. they're looking good then by all means go and have a listen or watch us there too and if you're listening on Spotify give us a rating because it does help with the algorithms it really does because at some point we'd like to be paid for doing this that's the dream that is the dream. But hit that subscribe button. And if you like us, yeah, please give us some star ratings. Um, but otherwise, get in touch and let us know. You know, look, we've really enjoyed the um, the engagement and we've had some really good recommendations. And a lot of the episodes that we've actually really enjoyed have not come from us, but they come from you. So mm. keep up with the requests and the interaction because we love it. And you've got no excuse because apart from Carrier Pigeon, we've given you every means possible to get in contact with us indeed but that is it that is it for another week um, well I'm going to go line my tookers up on Victoria Pier at the hot wall so you can kick me into the sea I'll take a swim down to the OTT vault and uh, I'll hide in there for a few days I've been Dan and uh, whilst I'm doing that I'm going to get onto my horse and I'm going to chase a tourist on his motorbike through a shopping mall I'm Alex and we'll see you next time next time